Welcome back to another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. I'm your host, Tom, and with me as always is Steve. Hey, everybody. Ward. I like bacon. And our local producer and painting hobby legend, Danny Byers. Hello, hello. Okay, so on today's episode, we're going to be getting a little bit more into our basic format. We're going to be talking about some different models that have been coming out, uh, some games that we've played, and generally banter about stuff that we care about. So let's start on with the hobby news, and I'm going to get Steve to get things started. Well, uh, one of the games I've been playing a ton of lately is uh, Drop Zone. Actually, I have to take that back. The last little bit has not been a lot of Drop Zone, but prior to about a month ago, we were playing a ton of it. Um, And Hawk War Games has released a ton of new units. We don't have time to cover them all, but they have announced uh, a couple units up for pre-order. Uh, they're primarily anti-air. You've got the Ravager pack for Scourge, uh, the Helios Jet Skimmer for PHR, and the Bird Eater Battle Strider uh, for the Shaltari. Um, I'm partial to the Shaltari, so I'm super excited to get a little more anti-air in the list. Uh, but the one that's really interesting is the UCM have a Fireblade Light Tank, and if you play any drop zone, you'll know that flame weapons are absolutely terrifying as they ignore all the cover in the game. They're amazing. I've used them in my Scourge before, yeah. and I get to giggle all the way back to the tank. So a light tank that's uh, actually got... Uh, it sh- you should be able to get a few of them in the list with the sizing on them, so I think they're going to be pretty cool. And they've got this smoke launcher rule, so uh, it's if you play 40k, same sort of mechanic. You basically get... Uh, it's harder to hit the unit on the turn they activate them. So, yeah, there's a bunch of new stuff coming out for Drop Zone, and if you want to see all the new stuff, you should check out Hot War Games, because there's a ton coming out. That covers Drop Zone, pretty much. Do they have any of the pictures for those new guys? I can't remember what they're called, but they're basically the fringe humans that are are attaching all their weapons to like these trucks and driving around in super ghetto technology. They have not gone... (laughs) Yeah, it's basically Gorkamorka and Drop Zone. They've... they've, they've, Model over you die. They've been talking about that for a while, but there is nothing official yet. Oh, I can't wait. I thought a couple of the cons, though, had pictures of... Uh, the mock-ups that they did for it, yes. though. That was about it? That's it. Okay. And that's as far as I've heard. There might be more out there floating around some deep, dark corner of the intertubes, but uh, as of right now, there's nothing on the Hawk War Games site. Okay. So I'm yeah. actually as excited as you for that. I'm looking forward to having a bunch of dudes riding around in Toyota pickup trucks, because I think that'll be and awesome. And buses! Don't they have buses supposedly, with massive guns on Supposedly top? someone's talking about trains, too. I don't really understand how you deploy a subway train in your game or whatever, or something like that, but it... it could be interesting, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, the lay track phase might be a little interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that works, but it's like yeah. City all over again. <laughs> Except hopefully your file doesn't get corrupted after about a couple days of playing. I'll totally anyway. send Gojira in there. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Get some sort of radioactive zombies. What do you got, Wardo? Um, the thing that I'm most excited for is Spartan Games is going to be releasing two new books at the end of April. Uh, they have the Kirak Alliance book and the Zenian F- League Fleet Guide as well. So that's going to bring a whole new aspect to all the new Firestorm games that are happening right now. Cool. Uh, with new updated rules for all of those um, factions. Yeah, because basically, well, you can get all those rules as PDFs right now already. 
but they're releasing it into like a nice pretty book format. Right? It's gonna be hardbacked. It's gonna talk about like yeah the history. Uh, sort of moving into GW sort of collector edition type well, rule books. Uh, I don't think it's gonna be that. It's just gonna be more of like a on like hands-on resource, right? Where you can actually like have the the hard copy rather than electronic copies. Because gotcha. I mean your your iPad crashes out in the second oh, yeah. round of a tournament or something like that. So and yep. we're suckers for pretty books. Yep. I do I do like it. Yeah, both of them are going to be 144 pages, so I'm excited and I will have both of them pre-ordered. For you're going to say $144, and as somebody who's been buying a bunch of forgeable books lately, that didn't even sound that unreasonable. It's like, hey, that's actually not that bad. That no, sounds cheap. No, they're they're they're, <laughs> oh, 20, they're 20 pounds right now, so what is Yeah, that, the like forgeable ones are 70 bucks? pounds. Yeah. So, slight, slight difference. Slight difference there. So. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. What about you, Dan? What do you got? Well, that actually is an interesting segue there, too, where um, Horus Heresy Volume 3 is actually going to be previewed at uh, Forge World Open Day right away, and then uh, available for pre-ordering shortly thereafter. So there's going to so be... that's the final of the Estevan series, right? Yeah, so there's a conclusion yeah. of the Estevan trilogy, and they're also apparently doing a collector's edition, like, trilogy edition, that oh, breaks cool. the books up differently, so you have one book for the main list, one book for the yeah, Legion-specific rules, and another book for concept art. So some of that might be limited to Forge World Open Day. Don't really know everything just yet, but we should know real soon, and I can't wait to dive into all that. So covered in that, there's uh, the final like sort of extermination of the what title of the book, Extermination of the Legions on <laughs> Exterminatus. Uh, but there's also the Imperial Fist, Fist and yeah. the Iron Hands uh, Battle of Fall, I That'll believe, be like cool. the big uh, naval battle with boarding actions, all kinds of good stuff. I'm so. excited to see how they do that. But that's once we get the book, we'll I'm sure we'll let you guys know. Yeah, we should know should know a whole bunch within about a week or two here. That's awesome. Whereas I'm really excited because they finally released, uh, or on a weirder side of things. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> um, They've acknowledged uh, the existence of a legion, dear to your heart. Uh, no, this is moving on to Oh, Malifaux. you missed the pun. Yeah, this is Malifaux related. <laughs> oh, I see. So basically, they've said nothing about what's happening with the Gremlins, but our uh, one of the online stores, anyways, has shown pictures of the fronts of the new boxes. Oh, cool. So we know what comes in the Brewmaster box. It's going to be Brewmaster... It's going to be fingers. It'll be his. Which is that great. sounds dirty. I like it. <laughs> Literal fingers. Yeah, there'll be a couple Moon Shinobi and uh, his apprentice Wesley. So it sounds like the, um, oh, what do they call that thing again? The whiskey golem is going to be not in that. <laughs> but apparently it's because it's going to be a huge model that they couldn't fit in the starter box for the, the Brewmaster. Yeah, if you haven't seen the picture, it basically looks like four or five kegs of whiskey loosely held together by joints. <laughs> And when you kill it, it poisons things in a radius because it explodes and gets so them So is this going to be Malifaux's biggest model then? Uh, no, it's, it's apparently going to be about the same size as the Rail Golem, which is currently one of the biggest models. Gotcha. But it will definitely be a, in competition for so that. So what's, what's the scale on that? Just because um, a little more It'll probably be around the size of a Warjack. Gotcha, okay. Okay, cool. So in a game that's largely based around just individual models, it's kind of big. That's huge. <laughs> uh, and, and then on top of that it looks like the Ophelia gang is going to be the same as her previous box but with anywhere between one and three of the young Lacroix these new sculpts then? yes everything's brand new sculpts when I when I try to google the images it has pictures of Gollum and whiskey <laughs> it makes a lot of sense you may not be spelling it correctly uh, probably not yeah it's with an E-M not a U-M <laughs> Yeah, otherwise you will get Lord of the Rings fan art, <laughs> which is something I don't think you necessarily want. No, not at all. And it sounds like you're going to be getting the summer box is going to be almost the same, except you lose the pig, 
you're going to gain Lenny and gain a couple of the Skeeters. I guess it looks cool. <laughs> I, I was more excited about Gollum holding a bottle of whiskey now. <laughs> Let me see this thing. That's just the artwork there. So. Oh, that's actually really cool. That's an interesting like that. It looks very War Machine-esque. Yeah, so very think about War it this Machine-esque. way. You've seen my Gremlins from Alifo? Yeah. That's yeah, this size. It's going to be big. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody wants to check it out, you should Google Whiskey Gollum because it's actually kind of cool art. I like that. And you can't see what you're looking at right now. G-O-L-E-M. Yeah, make sure you spell it. (laughs) Spell it properly. Uh, So that's kind of the new stuff I really wanted to talk about. And one thing I want to get into, uh, just to kind of close out the news section, is the fact that the new Journeyman Warcasters for War Machine have started shipping. So we're going to start seeing these in games now, which is going to be kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ward, have you checked out your Kador one at all? I haven't checked out the rules. I did like the initial like sculpt, but I'm never going to ever see one of those, unfortunately. I didn't jump on the Kickstarter bandwagon for that. Um, oh. But it, There yeah. was somebody on the Edmonton Facebook group. Yeah, they're already gone. They're gone. Already. They're, yeah, it was wow, within was about like a matter of minutes. minutes. Okay. Yeah, it yeah. was crazy. They're well, gone. if that's any indication, eBay is going to be a busy place these next few it, weeks. W- it will be for sure. <laughs> so. uh, but I mean, like, I'm comfortable waiting with uh, the what do you, six to eight months for Yeah, it should be, because they are are part of the Vengeance release, and Vengeance just came out, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, was the book. And yeah. I guess that's other news. Vengeance came out two weeks ago. <laughs> Yay! But, yeah, uh, it's two weeks ago. It's old news now. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, but going forward with that, it's really kind of neat because I know a lot of people have been apprehensive to use these models, even though the rules were leaked about eight months ago. I don't like using it until it's like actually like out, though, either. For right? sure. Yeah, so. proxying is always weird. Some people are big into it, but... I'm kind of with you. I like to actually have the real model. It's kind of weird. Something. If you're playing like a one-off game and you're just using it literally once or twice just to see what it is and if you want to purchase it, that's fine. But if you're using the same model, like same proxy model day in and day out for like six, yeah. eight months, because some of these games like X-Wing is similar, Privateer Press, a lot of these rules get leaked really far in advance. And I don't know, that kind of makes me a little uneasy if somebody's, you know, playing with the old Popcan Dreadnought for yep. six months at a time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Wasn't yeah. it a Popcan Carnifex? Like, yes, Popcan Carnifex. Coke, Coke, Coke Carnifex? Many Popcans. <laughs> Let's just agree that that's something that's happened and move on. But the interesting thing about this is that we're finally going to start seeing them, and Privateer Press did announce that as soon as these models hit, they're tournament legal. So you're going to be finding a lot more of these at Steamrollers that you're going to be going across, in local league events in the stores. So they're no longer going to be just models you're going to find in the basement. So I actually kind of like that, the idea of them releasing the rules ahead of time, but not allowing them, unless you have the model, you can't play it in a tournament. Absolutely. Because that's kind of smart. Everybody gets a chance to really familiarize themselves with the rules, and then when the models hit and they're playing with them in tournaments, everybody's kind of okay with it. It's not like the GW, like, vomited at you, and then hopefully everybody's ready in 30 days or whatever the TO decides is reasonable. You're not going to be completely blindsided by something, because the rules have been out there for a while, which is cool. This is good. Definitely. Absolutely. So... Moving forward onto our next segment, let's go on to Hobby Break. Hobby Break! <laughs> Alright, this week we're going to be talking about one of the single greatest developments in the history of airbrushing. Or, to be a little bit less overdramatic about it, a really good airbrush for a really good price. Yeah, crazy price. Yeah, there's, um, there's something that I picked up a little while ago called the Iwata Neo. It is actually a really badass brush. It cost me like $64 and... It's Canadian, I, so yes. that means it's like three rubles elsewhere in the world or something. <laughs> I don't know the Canadian <laughs> ruble exchange rate. <laughs> Neither do I, but I imagine it's low. But yeah, I mean, as an example, I got I picked up an Iwata Eclipse um, airbrush a couple years ago for like $200. And the thing is a beast. It's really, really nice, really precise, and you know, very high build quality and everything. 
the, the Iwata Neo, I really can't tell the difference, and it is a quarter of the price. Yeah, the only difference that I could see is like when you actually take the thing apart. Yes, there's a slight the difference in the way it strips. There's, um, it's a little bit simpler to take it apart, a little simpler to clean it. Which um, is almost an upside, yeah. really, especially for when you're first starting to get into airbrush. It's an upside Absolutely. if you clean your brushes. There's possibility <laughs> for, if you're, yeah. if you're rough with your brush, there could be parts that get uh, clogged up and, and gunked up and all sorts of stuff there, but... I mean, you'd have to really work to destroy this brush. And one of the nice things about it, too, is um, Iwata's really good for having all the replacement parts available for mm -hmm. order. Like, um, my friend Nathan, who actually picked up the Neo before I did, he was stripping his and cleaning it, and he dropped it on the nozzle and just bent it. It pretty much, you know, wrecked the nozzle, but it was like a $12 part to fix it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a $60 brush. Replacement parts are dirt cheap. And one of the cool things about it, too, is if you can either get the siphon feed which is really good for like really large volume. Like if you're spraying a Titan or something really big, it can be really yeah. handy for that. Gravity feeds are a little bit better for some of the more precise work. And the gravity feed as well has multiple cup sizes, which is really cool. It's <laughs> not boobies. <laughs> Tom is giggling, he so is I know why. I was thinking of this earlier. but um, No, but actually I think that you're talking about a siphon feed. I actually have a Pash siphon feed. Mm -hmm. And I think that the argument that you can do bigger volumes with it, yes, if you have like that screw top cup thing there, you can really get a lot of paint. But I have never used that. I've used it no. once, and I don't see a reason to ever do that. I, I think this is the the biggest uh, cup they have on that thing is more than you would ever need unless, I mean, Forge World releases an Imperator Titan. Maybe you'll need more paint. Or the Manta Ray <laughs> for the towel. Even then, it... Maybe. That model, isn't it the size of the desk we're recording yeah, it's on like right 40 now? Inches yeah, but at something. that point, if you're airbrushing a base coat on it, you're probably doing it wrong. Like, you probably want to get a, like an army painter spray can. <laughs> that thing is huge. Because I know I'm going to take an flavor. army painter spray can and take that oh, okay. to a $600 forge. But some model. of the Tamiya sprays and the tester sprays are just fine for a base coat. And then you could do your final but, highlights. But base coat, so you also don't have to mix anything. So you can just reload the paint anyway if exactly. you need to. The gravity yeah, this is, yeah, this is the brush I would have bought if it had been around when I bought my siphon feed because it is half the price at least of my brush. My brush came with a few more parts, but this thing is at least five times better, ten times better. Yeah, I well, love it. Well, I've got the same brush that you do, and I've mm -hmm. had that posh for about five, six years yeah, same now. Yeah, same as mine. And I hated it because <laughs> it, it was a pain. There, there was so many parts yeah. that could and that you had to take apart to clean it. Oh, yeah. And when you did that, you're losing stuff all the time because there's these tiny little parts everywhere yep. that unless you're doing it in one of those large trays where nothing's going to fall out, you lose stuff. Yeah, I know for and a fact I'm on, missing an O-ring on one of mine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where the hell no, it is. No, and That's I lost the little, the actual little pad that goes on top of the trigger. So if I'm <laughs> using the airbrush, it's just this little screw digging into my fingertip. How did, That's awful. What? I don't think that part comes off on mine. What it did? I don't know. Okay, that's a so good anyways, heads up to look out yeah, for on mine. Yeah, be but. very careful. But because <laughs> it only had the siphon feed, you had to put in three times as much paint as you oh, yeah. needed before you could use the thing. And that's exactly the thing. With the siphon feed, you need to mix up large batches of paint. And again, occasionally, I don't know if you're spraying tournament scenery or something, you might want that. But with the Iwata Neo, it comes with the two cup sizes of one-third and one-sixteenth of an ounce. So that's more than enough to do most of our sized hobby applications. And you can also use it with no cup at all. Yeah, so that's that it's what I like. using if you're doing like minor touch up work or like if you're spraying like a single X Wing miniature or something which is barely over an inch long, you can barely use any paint. It still works just fine, cleans like a snap, and you're not wasting like, you know, a couple dollars of paint every time you switch colors. And that's something that uh, we might talk about next time, but some of the uh, like the uh, Vallejo model airs where they have the dropper bottles, you put just a drop into the brush, you 
don't really have to touch the paint. You're just spraying. It's fast. It's way airbrushing. Like all the pains of airbrushing are pretty much eliminated by this thing and proper airbrush paints. Yeah, it's fantastic. And as a guy that doesn't do a lot of airbrushing, but likes to be able to save a lot of time when base coating <laughs> or do a couple of smooth highlights here and there, especially for tanks or larger yep. models, mm-hmm. I can't say there's a better brush on the market for you. And it's it does a lot of really good detail work. I would say introductory brush. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, well, I said for me, a guy that doesn't do a lot of crazy airbrush detail. Yeah, yeah. So that's I definitely. Have, an I have the same. It's very similar. I want a few, you know, a few price bands up, and there is virtually no difference in use. I mean, I'm getting absolutely nothing more out of a two hundred dollar Iwata than I am out of the sixty dollar one. It's as a beginner brush, it's great, but I mean, you're not really missing anything out compared to the really expensive ones either. I mean. It's just a great little workhorse brush. Mm. Yep. So if we were going to give this a rating out of, let's say, five pucks. This is the first rating system we've ever used. I like five pucks. This is well thought out. So how many pucks worth would this be? Uh, If you're going to recommend this... I'll jump right in. Five pucks. Five pucks? 100%. This is, if For the gonna, cost, yeah. If you're you going to buy an airbrush, it. this is a five. If you're not buying an airbrush and you don't like airbrushes, bang, bang for buck per puck, whichever, I don't know. <laughs> that rhymes, so it's be, true. It's that's true. the new tag. And I managed not to inadvertently <laughs> say something dirty, so that's good as well. But yeah, i got to give it five. Well, this if you're Canadian, awesome. there's actually an inherently dirty joke with pucks. But anyways, we can move past that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ward, having never used it, having, what do you think? Having never used it, but knowing like the quality of Iwata and you like to look at my box? replacement. Oh, yeah. Here, let me touch it. Uh. Uh, this is fantastic. As long as you're going with a gravity feed, I would give it. I would give it a solid four. Having never even like used it before, but knowing, knowing it just sounds the impressive. Quality, knowing what I want to like produces, and like also knowing like the the ability to easily get replacement parts. Right. Which is going to be super handy if you do uh, damage it. anything, right? Or, or have which a, we all do. Yeah. Or have like a needle like uh, issue, like uh, if you bent the tip <laughs> then you could get a replacement yeah and the needles are usually the part that you're gonna break that little tiny fine tip needle you're gonna bend that on something Yo, yeah because yeah, you're, you're painting and then oops you drop it forward under the desk and it's just all oh even is. if you have the needle out even just you, if you screw it up when you're yeah. taking it apart or if you yeah. put like too much pressure on it like there, it's really it's easy to mess it up and they're like 12 dollars i bought yeah. one the other day i was cringing at how much it was going to be it was like 12 bucks i probably spent that much in gas just driving there you should almost buy two iwatas then I've honestly thought about buying a second one just about buying the siphon feed just because. I don't know. Maybe not, I was even thinking about two like you know gravity feed ones just because it's so awesome. Well, and really completely unnecessary and serves no purpose, but I, I just want more. Of I these gotta things. go buy one. Actually, well, you could dual wield. You're painting two, <laughs> painting two colors simultaneously but for have, half the price of your other brush. I'd have brush. to get the dual hookup okay. compressor, though. This is starting to get expensive. But everybody knows that dual wielding is just way too OP. Everybody yeah, the offhand know. penalty is not worth no. it. I'm okay. not ambidextrous. I Fair don't enough. have any feats coming up in my level up structure. So, so we, have, I think, we have a five, a five, and a four. Who's, you gave it the four? I gave it the four. Oh, I, I gave it a five. It. I know you did. I think Ward is like that one dentist out of five. Like, he just <laughs> I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the asshole dentist. <laughs> Toothpaste is Dude, for bitches. That's the wrong place to be a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, on that note. Oh. So, we kind of skipped a segment because, well, this is our second episode ever. But, Steve, what have you been working on in hobby lately? Uh, I've still been working on the night. Actually, I've been working on it now. Uh, I think it's going to be done tonight, other than the base, which I'm not going to count because it's demoralizing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's going to be done. I've got the other one that put together, and I finished putting together the Sanguinary Guard. So uh, that's what I've been working on. I have my drops. I'm still staring at me. I hope to get some work done this weekend on. That's me. 
Ward? I did a fantastic job of opening up a box of Imperial Aces. Wow. You. Yeah. That is I, you opened three-painted bottles. I'll give you a round of applause. Small round of applause. I opened, I opened up the box because I've been waiting so patiently for it. Um, so I've got a box of those guys at home already to paint play. Them? No, probably not. I don't. I've been really lazy with my X-wing, unlike my attack wing. So, but I have done other hobby X-wing stuff. You can get away with it. That's true. But yeah, and the attack wing models are pretty bad. <laughs> well, the models are great. The paint jobs the models are, are okay. The models are they're toys. They're they're toys. They're <laughs> yeah. not yeah. that standard. And you pay the price of a toy. So for uh, if, true, if we're talking about true. puck per buck, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm puck, not sure how I feel about that. Puck per buck. Uh, but yeah, no. I, anyways, sorry, not to interrupt. Um, but I also have been working on other stuff. I've been working on some dystopian, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And how? What have has, you been working on for dystopian? I have been working on Ottoman Empire. Really? I hear they're really overpowered. I'll. I will tell you how that is not true <laughs> shortly. Um, so I've been painting up a bunch of those guys, uh, and then lastly, I also have been airbrushing some terrain for upcoming events. So I've been working on some bastions and painting that is awesome. them. A fantastic green color. Ooh, and, my favorite uh, color. Yes, exactly. <laughs> bulk on metal, just to spice things up? Uh, eventually, yes. The guns will get some bulk on metal. But right <laughs> yes. now, it's just the green, just airbrushed, uh, just the colors on those. And yeah, I'll be continuing on that probably later this week. I'm glad to hear that. Something that we need to do for our event, too, is get some terrain going. With 6ed being so terrain-centric, it's something that we finally need to yeah. do. So that's awesome to Line hear. Line of sight blocking is key. So, what Space Marines have you been painting this weekend? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so true. Actually, no, this week I haven't been doing any Space Marine stuff. I'm still working on the last couple of members of Red Squadron. I have uh, Biggs and Wedge that are left to be done in more or less the movie-accurate squad markings and stuff. So, they're coming along. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) It's funny the slippery slope, bro. I was just originally just painting the one Luke model and just doing it from memory. And next thing I know, I'm digging around on Google for hours at a time. For reference photos from like thirty yeah, years ago. That's why. That's why I dropped the. It nerd spiraled comment. so wildly out of control. Because so if you quickly. do like movie accurate reconstruction of your X-wing miniature, that is intense. I will give you credit for that. <laughs> that is a I'm, new I'm level. painting the right astrodroids on these things. Yeah, I know you filed off nuts. the one to make an R five, yeah, and I was yeah, like, that's the top of the head. weird. <laughs> did, did you green stuff on R five? No, no, it's just the the just rounded top, the, the rounded R two units. I just shaved it flat. It's a flat and top. Just yeah, it was actually pretty awesome. Yeah, my astromech units actually match the ones in the background, like from the movies. It's a little yeah, much the, from a sculpting perspective. The astrodroids, the astrodroids oh. are taking about as much time as like the actual squad markings. So it's it's kind of silly, but I'm enjoying it. It's fun as yep. long as you're having fun. That's really why we do this. That stuff, is right? that yeah. is some intense dedication to already painted models. That's and why I, just, I like it. I just have to point it out to everyone because there's no way in hell anyone's gonna notice it if I don't tell them. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah the <laughs> you're that guy. Everyone's walking around the event. You're standing right beside the unit. You know who that is from Red Squad? Yeah. That's Biggs. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah, that's one of the things. We're going to talk about that tactical painting and getting people to catch uh, catch someone's eye for how you do that sort of stuff for painting. That is not how you do it. Nope. <laughs> well, actually, funny story, it is. You just got to be very careful about how you do it. <sighs> I've seen it win so many votes that way, where someone points out this one model they did, and all of a sudden, every Okay, but that's model. another... That's a discussion yeah, for okay. an entirely different models time. Models speaking yes. for themselves versus models... Yeah, if you're willing to, like, take signs and yeah. stuff, yeah, then... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> How about you, Tom? Well, much like Ward, I played in the Dystopian Wars tournament, so last week was Woo-hoo! more or less spending all of my waking hours finishing models for it. Not all Funny. not all your waking hours. Well I hear the drive. No, all my waking exciting. hours. I got to sleep a bit. 
And you'll also notice the keyword of finishing models. Oh, I hear. I think there's going to be some some story here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but other than that, I've been working on building my Earthbreaker for War Machine. Cool. Which is the Ruler Colossal. That one looks awesome. It, it looks hilarious. I actually think that by most conventional standards, it's a terrible model. But it is. It has so much quirky character because his arms are in this weird way that arms should never be designed where they go straight out, have a hinge and then straight out again. To With, like an L, like an angle <laughs> iron piece. Yeah. Mm, that's weird. I've With seen that in War Machine. Where sense. the forearm part of it is about four times longer than the other part of the joint. The War Machine stuff not being in proportion? Weird. <laughs> Who'd have guessed? But it's fantastic and I can't wait to paint it and play with it. I'm sure it's going to look cool. And Sorry, what faction was that for again? That's, well, it's Mercenaries. Mercenaries, mercenaries of course. But the dwarves, yeah. So you're doing it the same dwarf scheme as before? Yeah, it's going to be that really cool. industrial yellow. That should be cool. Brand awesome, I love that color. Almost. Anyways, I want to hear more about your tournament. Right. So Ward and I drove down to Calgary to play in a Dystopian Wars tournament put on by Adam Stevens, and it was hosted out of Imaginary Wars. Yeah, on the south side of Calgary there. Absolutely, which is a surprisingly cool little shop. You had a lot of... Lot of space in the shop dedicated to just gaming tables. Yeah, that's uh, I've been down there. Me and uh, Jordan Murphy played a game down there right before uh, the GT last year. And uh, it was awesome to actually go in there and see that store. I was not what I was expecting. I was expecting full-on hole-in-the-wall. Tiny little store. But it was actually good size. They had a lot of stuff. The board games... Yeah. I don't know if you guys got a chance Tons. to look through the board games. Oh. Uh, Ward bought some. I bought some. Although, admittedly, nice. we walked in, no one. and Kyle did two things. He made fun of Ward, good, and good. then handed him something and said, buy this. And good. Ward proceeded to buy it. Yes. Wow, that is, that is actually kind of sad, I think. <laughs> no, but, I, yeah. he, you know, Kyle's actually, I like the guy. He's a very, very good salesman. Uh, he sold my wife a Darth Vader t-shirt down there, which <laughs> I did not see that coming. Wow. And he was, he was modeling it, which was the the part that was like, I don't understand what is happening right now. But anyways, it's awesome, because it's actually a really cool shirt. That is fantastic. Bizarre. <laughs> so the tournament format was basically, you're going to play three games. The first game is 600 points with no larges, which was really weird to play. Uh, the next one is 850 with no dreadnoughts. And the third game was a thousand points, Anything no goes, holds barred. Yeah, normal tournament rules for assembling your fleet. The only other restriction is that you could only have naval cores. You couldn't have any air cores. Because mm. that's where the game gets a little bit wonky. And I think most people play naval right now anyway, so I don't think it was a big Yeah, issue. at least around here. I don't see anybody playing air or land or anything like that. <clears> Not really. So Although I cool. did pick up the air force for the French while I was down there. Oh, well, that's fair. So, we'll have to start playing some air. Because he's a jerk that way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it was an Escalation League, so we played three games. Um, again, they were all timed specifically for the size of the event, too. Yeah, although one thing I want to say now is that unlike 40k in Fantasy, when the game, the size of the game changes, the time doesn't really change that much. So I know a lot of the guys in their 600-point games, when we were given an hour and a half, only got to about turn three. That's the, crazy to me. The 850-point yeah. games, we were given two hours, two and a half hours. I think two hours. And everyone finished 45 <laughs> minutes early. No. That's a lie. <laughs> everyone but Ward finished 45 minutes early. And my opponent. <laughs> <laughs> no, his opponent actually was finished. Ward was still playing. I don't yeah. know how that works. Um, well, it was great. Well, let's just say the second game, there was enough time where I could go to the pub that was down in the same strip mall, have my food, several drinks, 
before Ward even got to show up. Not surprised by that. Anyways. No. Okay, let's go through <laughs> our game. So, game one, Tom, go. Okay, game one was against a guy named Dave. He was playing a Chinese fleet, and they are crazy at boarding and throwing corrosive markers around and setting your stuff on fire, reducing your, your soldiers on your boats. And fortunately for me, my dice just worked out for me a little bit better. So I was able to take some of his better boarding ships out of the equation almost immediately. Kind was of, it range stuff? Do you get lucky with a bunch of exploding sixes? Or? Uh, well, not too many, but it was kind of one of those situations where you focus enough fire onto a unit and you just end up rolling what you need to roll to get rid of them. Yeah, gotcha. You know? So I was focusing the fire for my frigates on there. I had three destroyers that I was cool. a little bit longer range to finish them off. And it ended up where I just... I didn't complete the main objective, but I did destroy enough of his fleet that I was able to claim the massacre. Gotcha. How'd your second game go? My second game was very different. <laughs> <laughs> so you lost. I lost horribly. Uh, I played against a guy named Alum. And he oh, was, Alum Eglou? Yep. Yeah, that guy's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Really like him. And he was taking Prussians, and that game I couldn't roll anything above a three to he save my life. He also had two sweet ass robots walking through the water. One robot yeah. at eight hundred and fifty <laughs> points. Oh, and funny okay. story about that robot: he spent most of the game standing on an island, so I couldn't torp him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm, that's actually just, awesome. I never thought of that. But yeah, yeah I totally do that. Yeah, absolutely. So he's standing on the island, and then it's, I'm kind of everything else of his. The island was probably in his back right corner so he's got the robot standing there and everything else went around the island <laughs> just having a nice little so sun then I deployed my army relatively uh, evenly and just went forward and died it was terrible perfect how about your third game was it better? no oh. <laughs> my third oh. game uh, I was playing against a Empire of the Blazing Sun uh, the guy's name was Brad also a great dude it was probably my funnest game yeah. but in a thousand points he had 40 tiny flyer tokens Oh, Jesus, yeah. that's tough. Yeah, Blazing Sun can do that. And, yeah, well, do that. okay, because he took one of the flying tr carriers, uh, carriers yeah. and four of the naval carriers? I think so, yeah. Oh, that that actually is tough to deal with. And then on top of that, he had a unit of Tanuki, which are crazy gunships, yeah. and one unit of the frigates. And like, I So actually, what was in your list again? So at 1,000 points, I had... A Magenta Mark II battleship mm -hmm. with a Toulon attached, so that's lots of heat lance goodness there. Yep. So I, great anti-air. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. <laughs> I had a Quran, which is my naval carrier. Yep. With that also has a heat lance with an attached Toulon, so lots of heat lance goodness. Yep. <laughs> I um, sense a battery. A little more anti-air. <laughs> yeah, okay. And I, I actually, my list wasn't terribly set up to deal with this, because I then had a unit of three Ecuyer who have okay. uh, telescopic zoom on their ACAC, so they can use their ACAC up to 16 inches, mm -hmm. and they have rapid fire, so they get to re-roll two dice. Yeah. So they actually did really well, or they would have had he not destroyed them really early. Tom, Tom <laughs> Sleet, Tom's fleet was probably the best to go against... Yeah, Bradford's and then I had a unit there. of three of my medium flyers, which actually for the French, they're not bombers, they're an yeah. interceptor, so they have lots of ACAC that they can use against flyers and the rapid fire rule. Yeah, they're really nice cleanup. So they did a lot of work for me that game. I actually took out over half of his tiny flyers, which no one else came even close to doing throughout the tournament, hmm. which was pretty fantastic. And then I had three units of three of my Leon frigates. Which actually did a decent amount of work for taking out tiny flyers. Cool. Because they've got three ACAC each. So we're gonna leave we're gonna leave the winner and how that all worked out till the end. 
Ward, I hear you absolutely crush the competition <laughs> with well, the most OP list. I, I, show, I showed people exactly what the, uh, the, Ottomans. the Ottomans can do, for sure. I mean, <laughs> everybody's saying, like, oh, they're so point and click, and they can, like, totally just smash face with them. Yeah, I proved that was not the case. <laughs> I lost all three of my games, so. Uh, my first game with the 600 points was against Curtis. Uh, okay. I played against some Russians, so I had to try to crack that blade of armor. Mm -hmm. And this was my first game actually with the Ottoman, so he was kind of kind enough to give me a little bit of a refresher. To okay, so back you can't it. you can't think that it's all your first oh, no, game. No. That dystopian has a learning curve, so I can understand mm -hmm. if that was your first game with your Ottomans. But we were all we were also like uh, trash talking each other on the uh, forums a little bit earlier, so they they figured that I would be good to go. So, um, so yeah. Eventually he crushed my face, not even a, whoops, what's that? Um, <laughs> it's a apple night juice. Wobbly pop. Apple juice. <laughs> apple juice. Um, my second game was uh, against some Australians, So, and I did not know their... Were they separatists or loyalists? They were the separatists. Oh, cool. Yeah. I have yet to play against Australians either side. Uh, I actually really want to because I think that is one of the coolest ideas of the Australian like civil war kind of thing. They shove you in their little pouch and hop away. Like how do, what is the big deal? I have know nothing about Australians. <laughs> was, that, was that a kangaroo joke I'm assuming you're going yes. with there? I really okay. hope it was. <laughs> I'm not really sure which pouch you're talking about. Um, no the the uh, the Australian separatist stuff is I think they're trying to leave the crown as the the yeah. background, right? So you've got sort of like a weird civil war going on in Australia amongst like the convicts or whatever that they still have. It's kind of weird, but I actually quite like that alternate history. And then, so. and then one is going with the Covenant of Antarctica, I believe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, I'm basically what sure. ends up happening is the Separatists are going with the Covenants. They have an access to oh. all the energy weapons. Yeah. And then gotcha. the Loyalists have access to a lot of British things. Cool, cool. So you actually, to round out a lot of the Loyalist fleets, guys will end up picking up aerial packs for the British so they can get their bombers and I that see. kind of thing. Because right now there's only really the two boxes, I think, for the Australians. I, th I think it's two, yeah. And they're both just naval. And the really neat thing that Spartan has done is that they've, in all of their boxes, they've given you either the regular turrets or the energy turrets for all of the ships. For the Aussies? Yeah. Really? So you can play them either way. If you wanted to magnetize yeah. them, you could have loyalists yeah, okay. and separatists. So you can change That's them actually super play cool. on. So. Yeah. I need to add some of those to my Antarctica. But anyway, but sorry, not to interrupt. Watch out for the gunships. Uh, yeah, that combined with the cards that he was playing was just like ripping apart my fleet. Like I had no chance. It, however, was the game that ended up being a slugfest and uh, left me with a total of like... 20 minutes to have my lunch, which was running down, drinking a beer really fastly, and, uh, fastly, oh my god. Well, it was funny, too, because we were, uh, the chugging, rest of a, us beer. chugging we're, a beer, yes. <laughs> we're heading back to the venue, and Ward's just like, wait up, and he's kind of following us through the bar, drinking his beer, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get it down before he goes to his next game. Yeah, yeah, so. So that made you real Sorry, sharp for his your apple third game. juice. Oh yeah, my apple juice. That made you real sharp for your third oh, game. Oh, I was on the ball, I was ready to go. And so. how badly did you win that game? Third game, um, <laughs> when we were rolling for objectives, I had to kill his one unit of smalls. Um, which he happened to hide in the corner of the board. Uh, that's one of yeah, that sucks. Then he had to kill both my larges. Um, so uh, my dreadnought was making an appearance, and I also had the Hussar mobile airfield, which, which is he, a really cool model, by the way. It's mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. Which he really, flying minarets. He really liked it, so he prized it. 
<laughs> and I was about to put more guys back on it, um, but his other activation ended up doing a crit on my Dreadnought with a magazine explosion. Oh, no! Oh, dude, that's bad luck. So, my third game was pretty quick. So yeah. <laughs> See? Karma! Yeah, there we go. So, But I, it had... Um, Adam had secondary objectives, so if you completed those, uh, you got like bonus tactical points, I believe. What? Yeah, well, basically the way. Points. Well, I'm not sure. Can't remember what he called it, but the more you got or less points. You got things. Yeah. yeah. So, so if, every game was worth. I think it was a max of twelve points, and then there was a list of five things that you could do throughout the game to gain additional points. So cool. kind of like what we did with our tournament a couple years ago with the Axe of Valor. Kind of like what Onslaught does. With the secondary, with the secondaries, right? So yeah, this, like but you can do one. the same list each one every game. Oh, okay. wow! So you can get a maximum of fifteen points if you do all five in one game, all five in the second game, all five in the third game. Gotcha. So like one was splitting your fire, so you had one like ship split its fire. Uh, the second one was you made a unit all stop. Uh, you capped a unit. You did a boarding action. Boarding action and, and ram. And ram was the last one. Cool. So I got a couple of those because I was really good at capping and all stopping my my fleet. But so who was the winner of the event? The overall winner went to the guy that beat me in my third game. So it's like you came in second. Well, you know, <laughs> funny story. So I'm going into the third game and they're telling me that somehow I've got enough points where if I win this game, you I'm have best overall. I might actually have best overall. Like this, holy crap! I was actually in the running for this and. My French don't do very well for me. Well, yeah. Like, I just... I dice w- don't do well for you. So no, you know. that's, that's why I love Malifaux so much. It's just hard to dice. dice. But, uh, so here I am playing the guy that ended up taking the whole tournament. So the fact that... Oh, yeah. We didn't actually do this. He totally ended up stomping me, by yes, the way. I realized that. That's where I was going, and I wanted to leave <laughs> that because I was pretty sure that guy won the whole thing. But he did win the whole thing, and uh, he was a great guy, too. It was a really fun game. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, it was... Bradford? Bradford, yeah. Uh, took overall? Awesome. So, who took best painted? Oh. I hear I hear there was a tight match here. It was actually a tie between two very excellent gentlemen. <laughs> uh, so, so, so Ward, they would have you believe. <laughs> so, you two, Tom and Ward, both tied. For, but we did well, for we bit. didn't tie because I won. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, all things fair, what was Tom the should have won. Tom should well, The fact that he finished his <laughs> well, That was the tiebreaker? Well, no. Well, but... I can't remember if it was the first thing was votes and the second thing was score, or the first thing was score and the second thing was votes. So there was, like, everybody voted for... And there was also a separate painting score? Nate, gotcha. did you just win because you won that one game? Was it a tiebreaker on battle points? Because that would have been awesome. That would be so amazing. They, that was, <laughs> if that was the case, then yeah, you, your one game squeaked you out of victory then. So, <laughs> so Ward, you were uh, you didn't finish everything? I My medals weren't completely done. That was the big thing for me. So Yeah. yeah. But it, like, honestly, though, looking at the fleet, you would barely notice. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. It, it looked like a complete fleet. That's one of the things about Dystopian that's so nice is that scale, you can get away with fudging some stuff. Like, you don't oh, finish man. everything. It's, it's like, what, like one twelve hundredth or something like yeah. that scale? Yeah, something it like is. That. Like, it's so. tiny. So, we're going to have a segment that we come back to quite often, which is going to be called Tactical Painting. And I'm going to give one quick blurb here. You paint them up however you want, and then weathering powder them, 
and all of a sudden, all the details just look nice and smooth. And it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's... I, I have a lot of fun painting dystopian wars. Yeah, the scale... If you're into that scale, it's it's good. I know, Dan, you're not a huge fan of that scale. And I struggle with it a little bit, too, because I like that. I'm not a fan. It's just I'm not good at it. I've never had a lot of practice with it to the point where I've gotten comfortable. So it's a struggle. It's... Like, yeah. it's growing on me, for sure, as mm -hmm. I'm getting a little more familiar with it. But, Thanks you know, to X-Wing. Yeah, thanks to X-Wing, exactly. I mean... Other, aside from X-Wing, I'd only ever painted one or two models smaller than, like, a 40K model. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that would so, have been Gothic? Yeah, I guess there was some Gothic stuff. But Oh, sorry, I did a small Warmaster army, like, a okay. decade and a half that's, ago. That's a completely different thing, though, because those are individual yeah. infantrymen. They're, you're painting still, uh, like, human figures, right? Or at least Yeah, and they still have that, like, yeah. all the extra details in the contours, whereas the boats, you have a lot of those big flat areas, which I definitely struggle with what to do with that at that scale. Yeah, I hear you. It's the same thing with my uh, my drop zone. Like, that uh, one command model took me so long because it just feels wrong. Like, it doesn't feel <laughs> yeah. like it's a 40K model. Or, or done. Or, yeah, it's you just not a 40K model. You just it doesn't feel done. Just, you take a very different yeah. approach, and it's something to just wrap your head around when you're used to painting yeah. the bigger models. It just takes a little getting used to it. That's really yep. all it is. I just needed to budget my time more, and had I had two more days instead of being up for 40 hours straight... Oh my god, so this is a funny story from the tournament. So, Ward picks me up at my place at about 5.30 in the morning, and we get an hour out of town, and he says, Hey Tom, there's a pack of Red Bulls behind me. I need you to get me one. <laughs> Why, Ward? Oh, you're really that tired? He's like, well, here's the thing. I didn't actually go to sleep last night. So we're most of the ways to Red Deer now, and I'm in a car with a For man anybody that knows, slept. the trip between Edmonton and Calgary is about a three-hour drive, and it's straight as an arrow. There is nothing to keep you awake. Like, that well, is the road There's the donut on. mill when you hit Red Deer. There is one donut shop. <laughs> we didn't go to the donut mill, though. <laughs> <laughs> straight shot through? A little yeah, bit late? Yeah, well, we, we had to get there. We yeah, powered yeah. through. We were, we were, the registration was at 8.30 in the morning. And we got Ooh. there at 8.35. 8.35. So that is a dedicated... Tournament day, and for you, like what, forty hours awake straight? Yeah, Jesus, I was, I was, man. I was up probably like eight a.m. on Friday, and then I went to bed <laughs> at two one a.m. on Sunday. Wait, you'd remember better than I would at this point. Yeah. Um, point is, long time you were awake. It was a long time. <laughs> yeah, long time. It was good awake. though. I, I would do it again. So the tournament <laughs> format. What did you guys think? The, uh, the sizes. Was the escalation thing worth it? I think we're gonna move on to discussing. Uh, uh, well, more specifically then, let's move on to Coach's Corner. Coach's Corner. <laughs> oh, and sorry, I need to do a bit, of a, a bit of a tangent here. Anyone that listened to the last episode uh, would remember, hopefully, that I threw out the challenge that anyone that would shave off into a mustache oh. <laughs> would get to be Hal Johnson. And I've spent the last 40-odd four, minutes staring at Ward, who, with, now has a mustache. who now has a mustache. So... <laughs> For those of you who are listening and obviously not seeing, because this is a podcast... Who's Hal Johnson now? Ward. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah, clearly <laughs> it's not even clearly. a contest anymore. Yeah, so you, in, during the hobby break segment, get to have full credit as being our Hal Johnson. Yes. And I think Joanne McLeod still goes to dance. Yeah. I really I, need to do something about this. This is, <laughs> this is becoming I'm okay with dodging both of those, so it's good. It's, it's good. Um, all right, so anyways, moving back to Coach's Corner... Today we'd like to talk about what will make a good dystopian tournament mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. things to kind of look for. I think twelve thousand points. Nope, terrible idea. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the escalation idea was pretty good. It really it felt nice mm -hmm. to be able to have like a shorter game and a little nice. bit longer game and a little bit longer game after that. 
Uh, so it didn't feel longer. <laughs> so uh, my question is, but it is, didn't though, feel as rushed, is what I'm saying. When when we're talking about tournaments, it's always usually set points values that every other event has run. This is the, one of the few escalation events I've ever seen. Um, and I think one of the things, the arguments for it is, if you have a set points value, kind of get more of a, a standardized uh, field. Like, some armies may be stronger at smaller points or stronger at larger points. This way, everybody's playing the same game. Is uh, that something you felt might have it been It was issue? definitely brought there, up by th the players. I thought there was more strategy, actually, with the Escalation. Because, really? because of the fact where it's less like, oh, second round, man, I hope I draw you because I don't want to play that fleet in round three where it has more For the record, here. everyone that, saying this strategy? was talking about Ottomans. They're like, I don't want to play against a Dreadnought and a Carrier. Yeah. No, that doesn't matter. No, <laughs> no, no. good it did. But. Well, admittedly, it was your first tournament. I'm assuming the next one you go to, you, you gotta you gotta go to multiple events before you're ever gonna get good. I mean, you go to your first GT, you're gonna lose. You're not gonna come. Oh, yeah, I, I just wanted to go play and check it out and, exactly. and get ideas, right, for upcoming events up here, right? So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think one of the things I really learned, and we kind of touched on this before, is that the point sizes really doesn't change the length of the game that much for these Spartan games. Well, that's one of the things is with this with the way that you focus fire on a unit in the Spartan games, getting more models in the game means things die faster. It's the same thing with X-Wing. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I think more units in 40k means more models to individually move, which is actually what slows you down. Like I mean, if you play an 1800 point game with nothing but orcs, it's going to take you a long time. Yeah. Whereas with this, you get a few more ships, but it's not like 180 boys. You get maybe. 10 more ships, let's be generous. Yeah, especially, especially, if you're upgrading, ships firing. especially if you're upgrading to taking stuff like Dreadnoughts oh, yeah, in the larger size games. Exactly. Like They're going to eat up your points pretty quickly. They do. It, the, the games will take a little bit longer because the nature of the game is that even if you're adding in only a Dreadnought, all of a sudden that one model is still going to be shooting its broadsides yeah. and its three separate turrets. Yeah. And, it can and shoot maybe it just it's going to be shooting its Akak and maybe it's going to be yeah, exactly. launching something. It doesn't something have to shoot or... at just one target. That's the biggest yeah. thing. It's like, okay, I'm going to declare all my shooting and then resolve each one individually. It takes a long time. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's, you're right. But for the point size, do you think that more, I want to say, more competitive with air quotes events should be standardized? That's kind of still what we haven't hit. Well, I, I think it really depends on what the TO's going for. And if you are wanting more of a hardcore um, competitive style event, I think it makes no sense not mm -hmm. to have it standardized. So is the meta, is the, or is the do you see the dystopian meta sort of becoming more hardcore? Are there hardcore players currently in... Uh, our scene, I guess I, you could say. In Calgary. There's well, actually a lot of hardcore players. I wouldn't call like hardcore, but they're just good at what they do and they don't play yeah. Ottomans. So. Well I think we need to make <laughs> we need to make a distinction here that when it comes to really strong players in a game like Dystopian Wars, because it's so small in just scale, both literally and figuratively, I guess, yeah. the uh, the rules are a lot tighter than something like 40k. Just because there's yeah. fewer combinations they have to worry about and there's just overall Your less going don't on. sprawl like 10 years of design. Absolutely. Yeah. They've only really been working on this game for a few years. Yeah, everything's And still so tough. it works out really well where you can play a competitive game and you can try to win, but it's it doesn't have that same kind of power gamer vibe that you'd have playing 40k, mm -hmm. especially back in 4th fourth, 4th fourth edition when I was really playing 40k competitively of the guys that were taking the super cheesy lists and how there was really this dichotomy between the really competitive players and the fluff, and the fluff players. players. Yeah, a game like Dystopian Wars, I don't really feel that dichotomy. And you know what? I kind of find that interesting because I think out of actually all of the game systems that people are currently playing, in terms of fluff, 40k I think is still the best. 
but I actually think dystopians fluff. I mean, it's not nearly as big, but the universe, I actually find the coolest outside of outside of. 4K. Oh, it's hella cool. And, yeah, and I very original. Uh, you can really go deep into like the the fluff side of things there. Yeah, deep into the fluff. <laughs> <laughs> what I was gonna say is, I I think that at like bigger bigger events or more competitive events, you should you can say as well, such as like out of the basement or onslaught. I think the standardized is gonna be the way to go for sure because we don't have as much time to invest into a more narrative campaign or an escalation campaign, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, one off events though. However, like Adams, I think will benefit from that narrative campaign. It gives something a little bit different to the players. They can go check out. Uh, they have a little bit more flexibility with your force. There is that uh, strategy aspect of like, who do I get drawn in the second game compared to the third game? Well, is that a strategy aspect? I mean, that's well, not a strategy. I mean, no, roll the just first like, game and try to get the good match. But not necessarily a strategy. Well, I'm sure that was Ward's like, plan. Oh yeah, <laughs> throw, that's exactly. throw all the games throw and get the games great and get best setup sport? for the. Yeah, sure. <laughs> actually, oddly enough, they didn't have a best sport at this. Really. Event. Yeah. That's actually kind of amazing because best sport's always been sort of that carrot on a stick to keep people from being complete. Jerks, or and, at least no, it's and nobody that way. was really, yeah. nobody was a complete jerk at all. No, we, actually, I would say everyone was great when we ran our event. Everybody that played, and I mean, one of the things that we had a problem with is people not slow playing to slow play, but they were having too much fun chatting with their opponent at our event. When we ran it at our <laughs> yeah, basement. The, the problem was like, we had. you guys need to get past turn two, and they're like, but we're having fun. We're like, you should probably finish your game as a tournament. <laughs> <laughs> and so we ended up cutting from four games to three. Yeah, because people were literally chatting too much and having like too much fun. Which yeah is bizarre because that's a nice problem to have i guess it's a very good problem (laughs) to have exactly i mean it's still a problem but i'll take that any day over some of the other tournament systems so yeah i think the justification they used was that it was their belief and i agree after playing against these guys that everyone would have gotten a vote oh yeah yeah well it's exactly what happened actually at our event everybody got a vote and we had like everybody tied and we just had to randomly draw a best sport like that's I think he might have got one extra vote than if someone else. Yeah, guy no, we show did. Up. We did. Like it was like everybody got a best sport vote, which was really weird. And we had that actually <laughs> at our last out of the basement, the Spartan Games as well as the War Machine event. Yeah, had... yeah, it was like everybody almost got it. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy that uh, something like that would would happen. Even I'm kind of surprised. Anyways, um, all right. So I think what it looks like really then is for a more competitive event, we want to have. Standardized point sizes. Standardized point sizes. What do you think about the book scenarios? Um, with the uh, with the roll off for the scenario objectives. Is that what you mean? The roll yeah. off there? Well, yeah, absolutely. The field orders, I, as they call them. I still think like having those is is a decent way to go for sure. I mean, if you include like a, a slight tweak to the rules and do like a secondary. Uh, objective, I think that would be okay as well. Nothing to like really overcomplicate the game. That right. would be about the big thing. So yeah, well, that seems to go for almost every system. Yeah, people want standard, not standardized, but but if there's well, I mean the the dystopian doesn't like lend itself when when eventually version 2.0 comes out. Just like Firestorm, I'm sure that there's going to be better scenarios included in that, and yeah. I think that might be. Uh, a better time to look at yes. the rule book scenarios, yes. but as of right now, if you do use them, maybe make some just slight tweaks in the scenario. Yeah, just you never want to overhaul something. things to be completely crazy and no. catch people off guard or do anything weird because you invariably screw up something and and yeah, all fast vehicles move six inches a turn maximum. Oh, that was fun. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I think one of the biggest things um, that I noticed is that in a lot of the games, everyone opted towards the seventy percent. So it's almost like the rest of the field orders 
are really rare. It's like in that perfect world where you're playing this, against that's someone. That's just destroy 70% of your opponent's fleet, right? Well, that's the basic one. You can always default to that. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the other ones, it's either destroy all heavies, all smalls, all mediums, uh, capture the ship with the with or the destroy Commodore. Or destroy the core fleet, right? Yeah, okay. Or destroy the core fleet. And I, what I found is that unless you drew, you rolled the one that was very specifically advantageous against that fleet, yeah. you're going for the 70%. So, makes sense. Why would you pick something that's terrible for you? Yeah, yeah let's go for the default. And yeah, so I, I do have to agree. I think the dystopian scenarios are are okay. I think that's the word I'd use. They're okay. Yeah, they definitely are. And I, I, I think also for a tournament though, like you'd have like the scenario like built in already. You wouldn't just roll for it. So scenario one might be like, hey, yeah, both opponents have to do this objective. Yeah, well, as long as the standard. The one so, thing yeah. that we did at the out of the basement one that we ran, which seemed to go over pretty well is we let people choose which field order they wanted, but they could only choose it once. Oh, that's actually pretty smart. I didn't hmm. realize we did that, which is <laughs> terrible. Cause well, because you weren't... Well, I wasn't running that right. particular event, but that actually makes a lot of sense. As a dystopian player, I like that a lot. Because so, it's like, some fleets, mm-hmm. you are going to use that. And if you draw two of the same fleet, maybe you shouldn't have built so much to try and take on that small or whatever that issue is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so I think at that point, it really starts catering more towards... Yeah actually building rounded fleets yeah, to kind of move forward. And I think we're probably going to do something similar again this summer. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I think that's a good way to do it. I'm sure you'll be doing the same sort Ooh, of thing. I've, I've got ideas. Oh, that's good. Don't worry. That's good. I'm still not sure if I'm going to play in Dystopian. I'm thinking I maybe might, because it's on the Sunday, right? Sunday is Dystopian. So that brings us to the next thing. We have upcoming events. Ward? Uh, What's our upcoming event that we should really talk about? Well, we've got we've got several actually upcoming events going on right now. So, okay. uh, starting let's start in April then maybe. Start with the closest one, which would be April. April, okay. Yep. Is it, uh, oh yeah, it's April in a week. That's right. It is. Yeah. Less, yeah. Than, a less than a week. There, Hopefully. there is a few X-wing store championships going on in April. Uh, unfortunately, none of them in Edmonton. Uh, but that's okay. If you want to make the drive down, Trilogy Games has their store championship on April fifth. Uh, X-Wing Store Championship at Century Box on April 18th. Not sure how I missed that one. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's both of those. Um, So that's it, I think, for April that I've got down right now. Well, I've also got one in Edmonton, not for X-Wing. That's right. But there is a 12,000 point, or 1,200 point, holy cow. 12,000 points. I I did the seed for that one a while ago. Yeah, that would be a lot of Firestorm ships. (laughs) But at at Thunderground out in St. Albert, there's a 1,200 point Firestorm Armada tournament happening on April the 12th. Yes. Cool. So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, That's it for April. I've got some stuff in May. I do as well. So the long weekend in May, there's actually GrotzCon is happening down in Red Deer. So especially for any of you Albertan gamers, it's a great place to go to because it's only an hour and a half drive out of Edmonton or Calgary, so it's really easy to get to. Yep. And they're running two War Machine events. They're doing a 50-point steamroller, which, for those of you who are interested, is actually a War Machine weekend qualifier this year. So if you do place first in that event, you will be getting an invite to the big, probably the biggest War Machine tournament in North America. Now, excuse my ignorance, is that Lock and Load? No, it's War Machine Weekend. Ah, uh, It's a okay. different event. Yeah. So Lock and Load is their sort of uh, games day equivalent, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it's War like Machine Weekend is the largest games. independent. Oh, War- I see, okay. Yeah, it's actually, it might be bigger so than, it's not than run Lock by and Load. Privateer Press. They help it out a lot, but it is totally run by independent. That's cool, guys. they okay. help out people that... What a novel concept. That is amazing. No, actually, I gotta say, Privateer community Press well? Weird. is really good for helping out the community. Uh, so they've got that on the Saturday, I believe. On the Sunday, I think they're running a Who's the Boss event, 
which Tony Danza. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Which, if you have, for those of you don't that don't know sheet. what a, who's the boss <laughs> event is, what you end up doing is they have a big wheel with all the different warcasters on it, and you bring a fifty-point or a thirty-five-point army. And I couldn't find what the point size was on their website, so we'll have to look into it and get back to you. And without a warcaster, and yeah. every round. <laughs> You, you spin blew. and get a new Warcaster. So, what do you have to land on to get Alyssa Milano? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean the like twelve-year-old one because that's a little that's a little weird. She's she's much more grown up now. Yeah. Um, well, she's not in War Machine, so there's no possible option. Yeah, that is that would be very weird if they came well, with Alyssa Milano uh, Warcaster. Yeah, but so basically, there's I'd all kinds of crazy broken combos that come out, and it's a lot of fun to do. And yeah, that'd then, be weird. I actually would like to see how does that work with armies that like we bring out convergence and they do things. That, convergence that would be matter. weird. Doesn't they, matter. The caster the, works. They just they're yeah, okay with that. It's automatically huh. going to work. The new whatever caster you get, it, whether they're a warlock <laughs> or a warcaster, is automatically going to adopt the focus or fury system that's that the army insane. has. Cool. All right. So, that's very cool. Yeah. So they're going to be running your vectors. Whoa. That's actually... <laughs> it's really cool. Anyways, I can think of a lot of weird um, things. Like and then on top of that, they are running a fantasy and a 40, 40k tournament. And again, I couldn't find the point sizes, but we'll get back to you guys on I that. I want to say the 40k one is 1850, but that is a total guess. I think that's what they play down there more commonly. Okay. So. But either way, it sounds like there's going to be something for a lot of different players to go down there and have some fun. And I've heard nothing but good things with people that have gone. That same weekend is also May Day up here in Edmonton. Uh, so the local gaming group up here in Edmonton hosts May Day at the first Saturday of every May, and they will be doing more of like the historical war gaming, board gaming. I think Leanne is also running a small 40k event mm-hmm. uh, at the same time. Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, so they've got a website up too, so you can check it out. Uh, you can sign up for different tables and play different games and try stuff out that you've never played before, which is kind of cool. So And they, they also normally have a silent bits auction they as usually, well. Yeah. That and I've seen cool some thing. crazy stuff there. Yeah, if you want to go to those stuff that you're going to find weird bits, like things you just don't expect, that's your place. Uh, I want to say if you do, if you can't find the contact info for the 40k side of things, uh, message us and we can get you in touch with Leanne. So we can figure that out for you. Absolutely. And, uh, and then in May is also Onslaught. Oh, Yay! really? Shameless Yay! plug. Shameless plug. That's okay. We love shameless plugs around here. So let's, we are them. Yeah. Let's <laughs> talk a little bit more. We talked a lot about Dystopian Wars today. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little more specifically about the Dystopian event that you're going to be running. Yes. I will be running the Dystopian event on the Sunday, May 11th. It will be four games in length. It will be 850 points, uh, with, again, naval cores being the list that you have to choose from. So you still can bring air units. Just not as your core. Just not as many. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, because they will be on boards with lots of water and a few islands and that sort of thing. Cool. Are you doing anything specifically for this event that you care to disclose at this time? Uh, Right now, what I'm thinking of, thanks to Adam's event, well, I mean, it's just going to be a standardized point value for everything there. Um, I'm throwing... What size? 850, 850 still again it hasn't changed from last time I just yep, said from like two minutes ago we're good. Uh, we, get, we get so many questions about point sizes we could probably stand to say it a couple of times there you, you know. go yeah. um, 850 850 850 <laughs> this is darts now this how many points was it again <laughs> that's what I'm going with um, 180 so we're going off of the uh, just one standard size uh, for this event um, right now I'm toying with the ideas of doing like some just a small tweak for the missions um, but again having uh, both players run the same sort of objective for the mm-hmm. mission too so 
So what you would then potentially do is have choose from the field orders, and both players play the same field order each game? Absolutely, yeah. Cool. So, and then that'll be in the scenario pack released on the day, and every player will get one of those fancy players packs. So, this is a great time. Players, be warned, if you're coming to this Dystopian Wars event, bring a fleet that can do everything. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Have a little bit of everything. Be ready to take on a little bit of everything. And, we might uh, even call it a tack list to take all comers. Or oh. a balanced list. Or a balanced list. That's, that's another option, too. <laughs> or a silly game with boats. But yeah, okay. Hey, <laughs> it is a silly game with boats that we love dearly. I'm, yeah, I'm really, I'm really enjoying it right now. So, so yeah, starting so to grow on me, good. and I've been pretty anti-boat for a while now. So. Nice. Yeah. Um, well, there's a boatload of beautiful models. If you're a history buff, you can't stay away from this. Uh, there is also a cap of 16 players for the event, too. So Register now. Register early. That sounded like... How do they register, Ward? They can Three either payments of $19.99. <laughs> Three easy payments. Register now, we'll drop one. Uh, um, <laughs> Actually, I think we'll drop two. So you can either contact me on the uh, Edmonton, on, uh, Edmonton Onslaught uh, website. Which uh, is? Which is EdmontonOnslaught.webs.com. There we go. Thank you. I, I don't even know your website. You can, I, like, you can also <laughs> email me at edmontononslot at gmail.com for any information, and I can direct you to the website easier that way, or you can pay over an e-transfer that way and sign up with all your information, like what army you're playing, your name, all that good stuff. Where you live. Cool. And how, <laughs> how early should people submit lists? Submitting lists is only going to be due the week prior, so by May 3rd, uh, you'll list, your list will have to be in. So you've got still lots of time to do some playtesting, making sure that mm -hmm. you've got everything good to go. You awesome. are familiarized with the fleet that you are bringing. Uh, it is not the first time for your Ottomans making an appearance or anything of that. Speaking of Maybe Ottomans. Maybe sleep at some point the previous couple <laughs> yes, of days. might make you a better general. That are there easy. painting requirements? There will be painting requirements. Um, the trophies for the event will be best general, best paint, and best sport. Cool. Mm. I like that. I actually do Good like spread. that. Something, something we have to talk about at some point, but there's no best overall. I actually no, think that's good. No overall at any of the events at uh, this onslaught. It'll just be general, sport, and paint. So real quickly, uh, run down the events that you are running at onslaught. One more shameless plug oh, for all of them. There we go. We have Warhammer 40K. That's on which day? On the Saturday. Okay. Fantasy will be, Warhammer Fantasy will be on the Sunday. Uh, Firestorm Armada will be on Saturday. Dystopian Wars will be on the Sunday. X-Wing will be on the Saturday, Attack Wing will be on the Sunday, and War Machine will be on Saturday as well. I see a pattern. You can basically pick your, your game publisher of choice and play in both their systems. If you so choose. <laughs> there is also a Spartan Pass for playing both uh, Firestorm and Dystopian if you want oh, to play cool. both games. And there's also a GW Pass if you want to play both 40k and Fantasy for the save weekend. Save you a couple of bucks. Does save you some money. Most excellent. Cool. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well... Thank you guys for listening to the second episode of Hobby Night in Canada. Woo! I'm your host, Tom. <laughs> and I'm Steve. I like maple. <laughs> and I'm Dan. That was Ward. <laughs> yeah, anyone's wondering. So, keep playing games, keep having fun, and please paint your models. <laughs>